Welcome to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. For the month of May, we are honoring Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Each week, members of our church family will be sharing stories that acknowledge and celebrate AAPI history from their lived experiences and the world at large. Hey Bridgetown, Gavin here. As we celebrate AAPI Month or Asian American Pacific Islander Month, we wanna continue to tell the stories of those of you who are in our body, who are at Bridgetown Church in our community, who are AAPI. For those of us who are not, so that we can learn uh, to enter into that experience, to have empathy, to be a part of that story. And for those of you who are, that you can remember that the AAPI experience is not monolithic, that everybody will bring different things to their story of what it means to be AAPI. So. We are a family uh, in Christ, but we are also different. We have different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences. And so it's important for us to tell those stories. So to that end, I have with me here, Stephanie Quint and Josh Liu, both of whom are community leaders at Bridgetown, both of whom are Asian American, Chinese American to be specific, both of whom grew up in the Bay Area, but a couple decades apart. So their experiences, though, there are, there's a lot of similarity. There's a lot of difference as well. So in order to kind of get at this difference in monolithic culture, but also some of the similarities in their stories, we wanted them to share. So Steph, would you start, maybe tell us a little bit about who you are before we dive into all the questions. Yes, so um, I'm Steph. Um, I'm married to Peter. Uh, we've been married for 38 years. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Um, I'm second-generation Chinese-American, so my parents were also born in San Francisco. Um, I grew up in Chinatown. I went to school in Chinatown in San Francisco and was immersed totally in that culture. Um, We moved to Oregon uh, 34 years ago. So I have lived this year, one year more, in Oregon than I have in California. And it's uh, been an interesting ride. Great, thanks, Steph. Josh, what about you? Tell us about yourself. I'm Josh. I'm a community leader in Southeast. I also grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in one of the suburbs. Um, I am third generation, meaning my grandfather was born here in the United States. Um, He served in World War II and I grew up in an Asian American church uh, in the Bay Area. And tell us a little bit about what you do for work. Oh, I'm a nurse. I work at the Portland VA in the emergency department, and I've been here for about seven years. Thank you both for sharing that. Now, as you were talking, I was thinking about this idea of you both growing up in a, a predominantly majority culture where most of the faces you saw, most of the people you interacted with were also Asian American, if not also Chinese American. Uh, but then we were talking offline about this slow move from majority culture into minority culture, which ended with the deep end push of Oregon. Uh, and and we've, we've talked at Bridgetown a lot about how sociologists say that for a person to feel represented in the room or, or to feel seen, uh, the majority culture can't be larger than 80%, meaning the minorities in the room have to be at least 20% in order to actually feel represented in that space. So uh, we can only imagine that your experience to Oregon, especially that 20% was not hit. 
Um, but even before that. So Josh, maybe start talking about, if you would, uh, what your experience was like growing up in a predominantly majority culture and then that slow transition into minority culture. So start with the majority culture part. Yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area where I was the majority culture in an Asian American church and where family and education was very paramount in our um, in our childhood and where we gathered as family and community all the time over meals um, and just spent a lot of time with family. And then I moved across the country when I graduated school. I lived in West Virginia alone in a predominantly white mm -hmm. culture. And I had to start to assimilate into that culture. And I kind of dropped some of the cultural norms that I had grown up with in order to assimilate into other culture. And that kind of just carried on into Oregon as Oregon and, and Portland is predominantly white. Yeah, that's great. I'm even thinking of like myself being a part of the majority culture. It's one of those things that you don't notice or acknowledge until you move out of that space. So what was it like to go to West Virginia and to be in that where you're like suddenly probably for the first time realizing like, I have a I have a culture, and it's different suddenly from those around me. Like, what were you feeling? Did it feel scary? Was it like just frustrating? Was it weird? What, what was going on? It was a little scary. I had a lot of comments that were not not something I wasn't used to hearing. Hmm. Um, stereotypes that people th thought about Chinese mm -hmm. people um, that just wasn't an issue when I was growing up in majority culture. Um, but I was a different face and someone who looked different than them. And so I got these comments because that was kind of like the only only context they had for people who looked like me. Yeah, I can only imagine what that was like. Uh, yeah, Steph, what about you? What was What was your experience? Well, I grew up in San Francisco Chinatown. I went to school in Chinatown for nine years. And the school was 100% Asian. And so I grew up with language, the smells, all the shops, um, and my immediate family. Um, like Josh, family is very important in the Asian culture. And um, it's celebrated around the table. And that's how you realize who you are. You're, so my first 14 years of my life, I was totally only immersed in Asian culture. Transition happened when I went to high school, and I went to a uh, school of 2000. It was a college prep school in San Francisco, a public school. It was but the first time that I had ever been around different cultures and, and races. And that was interesting for me because I could have chosen to just hang out with the Asian kids, but I actually chose to actually make different friends. I did have some Asian friends, but my best friend was actually a gal um, who I still meet with, and she was white. So that was my first experience. Then I went from there to college, to Berkeley, and Berkeley has probably about, at that time, probably about 25% of the uh, student body was Asian American. Now in San Francisco, it's 36% are Asian American. So I went from 100% growing up to 36% mm. to 25% mm. 
And then I got married to Peter, my husband, who's white, and we moved to Oregon. Hmm. And Oregon was probably at that time 3%. Wow. So that was quite a shock. Um, I progressively became less and less associated with my culture, where there was less and less expression and opportunity to express myself or actually interface with any other Asian Americans. And we had our children. Our son was born in Berkeley. Our daughter was born here. And say they did not grow up with any expression of family or community. Hmm. There were there was a Chinatown here, but it was very small. And uh, the Asian Jade District was way over in 82nd. So my children grew up with a totally different experience than I did. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And one of the things you've mentioned a lot before is this idea that uh, one of the things you noticed the most in Oregon was in the church. And it's really interesting thinking that the church should be the place where people feel safe. It should be the place where people feel seen and known. Uh, But that wasn't always uh, your experience. Would you maybe talk about your experience at church in Oregon? Yes. So before Bridgetown, uh, we were in a church for 18 years. And I was one of two Asian Americans in that church. I would say they were about 600 people. Wow. So that's less than half a percent. Hmm. And um, yeah, so I was not, I did not feel seen at all or recognized um, that I was Asian American. I have to say that no one ever asked me what was it like Mm. Or who was I Mm. as an Asian American? Um, I've been at Bridgetown now for 12 years. Um, Well, going back, at that other church, I did meet my best friend. And um, she actually moved into our neighborhood five houses away. Mm. Um, She's my sister. Mm. And um, she, we lived life together for carpooled and everything with our kids for 14 years. And we've been friends for about 32 years now. And she said this to me several years ago. She said, Steph, you're my Chinese friend, but I don't see you as Chinese. Mm. I think you're white like me. Mm. Now, this is my sister who I love. I've spent a lot of life with. Mm. She's family here. But she doesn't see or has ever really inquired about what it is like to be Chinese. Mm. She enfolded me into her identity. Mm. Now, the last 12 years I've been, we've been here in Bridgetown. And I have to say that um, last year, or maybe it was this year, when I got to read the scripture in front of the congregation in Mandarin and Cantonese, yeah. That was a watershed moment for me. Mm. I felt like I could stand as one of the nations Mm. and that I could read the word Mm. and I could be seen as a daughter of God, but also created that I am Asian American. I am Mm. Chinese. It's interesting that at the end, uh, at the 5 p.m. service, I had three Asian Chinese um, 
young people come up to me immediately after I read the scripture. Hmm. They were so overjoyed that they could hear the word in their language. Hmm. And so I just thank Bridgetown for that opportunity hmm. to give voice that I had an opportunity to speak out um, and to read the word in my language. Wow, Steph, that's really beautiful. You know, one one of the hardest gifts to give is the one that you never got but always wanted. And so I think it's really a, a gift from you. And also you would probably say from the Lord to, to you to be able to give to others to do that. So, I mean, as you're talking about your experience uh, at that other church and uh, not really even being feeling seen, and then your friend who I imagine you're telling that story uh, because you guys have already worked it through and are on the other side of that and everything's good. And then at Bridgetown for you know 11 years of not feeling uh, acknowledged as a Chinese American woman. Uh, this is a personal question, but what did that feel like? What did it, was it something that you feel like you didn't actually notice until that watershed moment? Was it, did it make you feel lonely? Uh, where were you at in that, in those years? When I was, when I read the word in Mandarin and in Cantonese, it was an honor. Hmm. My, my, Great-grandparents were saved by missionaries in China. Wow. And they were seen for their faith, but I felt like um, I had an opportunity to honor them. And doubly so, it was an honor because I'm a woman. And mm. in the Asian culture, in my grandmother's generation, women were not given voice mm. or even given the opportunity to learn. Um, but my grandmother on the other side of my family, she was taught by those Canadian missionaries. And she actually taught the word in China hmm. in a school. And so I felt like it was honoring my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and as a woman, hmm. that I actually had the opportunity to stand up and have a voice. Hmm. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Josh, you're you're growing up a few decades later, but uh, from what I know, the experience was pretty similar. But would would you maybe talk about your experience in church in Oregon at Bridgetown specifically? Yeah, coming to Oregon, I felt like um, not always heard. Um, my culture was kind of minimized, and I just assimilated into my friends whatever they were doing at the time. Um, and then maybe at work. Mm -hmm. Like um, I work at the VA. I work with a lot of veterans who maybe experienced um, people of Asian descent in a negative light. And so they're projecting mm. um, their negative emotions on me. And so at work sometimes it can be difficult. Um, just how I look. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID hit and um, COVID was being called the Chinese virus, that was just difficult because mm -hmm. that was projected as like um, something that came from me. And when I was trying to help these patients, mm. um, just made my job difficult. Yeah, I, I imagine so. And you're doing such a, a polite job at, at saying, you know, they're putting their frustrations on you. But I mean, at the end of the day, what you have experienced is discrimination and, and racism. And I can only imagine that, you know, those in the medical field have had probably among the hardest two years of any of, any of us. 
And how much more so than you as a Chinese American who becomes this kind of pejorative racist um, expression of our uh, undealt with guilt around everything that, that's happening. So um, I'm going to ask you a personal question. Yeah. What do you What do you do in those moments? Like, how do you How do you keep going? Um, I think it's important to have like supportive people around me. So I have a very supportive coworkers that I work with. Um, but also, my community is very supportive when I can come to them and um, just explain my hardship at work. Like sometimes people in my community, some people, some some people outside my community, but within Bridgetown Church and the community as a whole, um, with staff and other people, it's helpful to have people who have had some of the similar experiences as me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And we were talking earlier, and I was noting this theme that you kept talking about that I want you to talk about now, okay. which is this idea that um, that your relationship to Jesus at Bridgetown in general uh, has pushed you more into uh, your understanding of yourself as a Chinese American and actually not away from it. I yeah, thought that absolutely. was really interesting. Maybe talk about what that yeah, journey was like. So um, initially I had kind of assimilated into majority culture, but um, finding Jesus and going through some of the um, themes that Bridgetown has touched upon with emotional health, um, I kind of delved into my family of origin and wanted to learn more about where I came from, where my family came from, um, my family's history. And so through that, I've come to appreciate my family's culture and um, Chinese-American culture, and I want to bring that um, those experiences to my community. Mm. I just love that, and I'm not going to preach, even though I could on this, but there's this idea that Jesus, we are made in the image of a God who is infinite, so we are going to be infinitely different. And spiritual formation and walking with Jesus is not the process of making robots. It's the process of making individuals who uniquely uh, reflect God's image in different areas. It's like a prism of light. We all get to reflect a different image of who God is. And, uh, and, I, and I love that because what you're saying is exactly that, that as you studied Jesus, you learned more about who you were and who you were was unique and good and a gift. And I just think that's so significant. And I want all of us to, to learn that. Like, you know, what we believe theology teaches, what Jesus teaches throughout the scripture, the narrative of the Bible is that sin is what creates robots. That's that monoculture. That's what happens at the end of the day is we return to that state of decreation. But as we process our journey with Jesus, as we press into him, we gain a freedom that's different and that we get to be both individuals and a community. Now, Steph, on that, I have a question for you. Now, we've already talked about this idea of moving from a majority culture to a minority culture. Uh, and it gets a little bit what I was just preaching a bit because it can feel, a, it can get a bit misunderstood. We were talking earlier about this idea of moving on this journey in between and finding the balance of um, the internal and the external. And, uh, you know, part of the majority culture in our context is individualism. So it can sound like what I'm preaching is that gospel of individualism, but it's actually not. Uh, but you had some really beautiful insights on this balance between the internal and the external and kind of the struggle that comes. Can you even maybe start by 
explaining what I mean when I'm saying internal and external? Yes. Yeah, so um, because I grew up and I had was totally immersed in Chinese American culture, as I moved progressively more outward into being part of the minority, I had a choice. How, to what degree was I going to choose to self-identify with being Asian American and express that? Or to what degree was I going to choose to immerse myself in the majority culture and be more white? There's a term um, among Asians, um, you can be called a banana or a Twinkie. Mm. And a banana is someone who is yellow on the outside and white on the inside. Um, now, I chose to actually become more integrated, to not solely interface with Asian Americans. Of course, that was I had no choice when I moved to yeah. Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Uh-huh. But I did have a choice in um, how I viewed myself. And the thing that has helped me the most over all these years that I've been in Oregon with very little contact with Asian Americans is that I had to be secure that I'm a daughter of God. And yes, I've had experiences in an Asian culture, but everybody's story and how they carry that forward is a choice. Um, We have two people in our small community group. One immigrated here from Taiwan. We have another one who's Chinese, and they're both Chinese. Uh, We have another woman whose family immigrated out of China through Malaysia to London, to Canada, Hmm. to the U.S. So even though we're all Asian American, and even though we all find ourselves here in Oregon now, our stories are all so different. Mm -hmm. And we've had to choose each one of us How do we carry ourselves? And how do we view ourselves when there's not a lot around us to reflect back to us who we are? So that has caused uh, us to, or has caused me to really ground myself that I am am a daughter. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm Chinese. And sometimes I get to express that and share that with people. For the most part, most people aren't curious about your story Mm. or how you grew up. And like Josh, you know, I would like to express that more. We have two children that are um, biracial. Our son identifies with being Chinese American and our daughter doesn't. Mm. Actually, his daughter goes to a Mandarin immersion preschool and our grandson from my daughter goes to a Spanish immersion preschool. Mm. So... Again, even with our our own family, the expression and the choice is all different. But fundamentally, you know, we're all sons and daughters. And that has been um, the church being my family here. That's been the place where I have found rest and peace in that. Mm. That's beautiful. And again, just like Josh was saying, it's another significant part of the journey. And it's one that we take for granted, those of us in the majority culture, of going, oh, I guess we do need to kind of figure out this internal, external, and 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 you both being, you know, pushed into the deep end of the predominantly white Oregon, and then for many, many years, the predominantly white Bridgetown. 
uh, had to do that deep work of going, wow, what's on offer here? What was on offer over here? And do that deep work of integration. That is the spiritual journey. So I just want to bless you both and thank you for uh, giving us the gift of doing that work here and amongst us and pushing through, you know, Steph, you're saying the 11 years of nobody uh, at least noticing, at the very least, I imagine it felt like not caring, uh, which is a, which is difficult when it's a significant part of who you are. So, yeah, you have something. Yeah, add to that, please. Yeah, so it's been my joy. I'm part of the Racial Justice Committee, and I love looking at the congregation and seeing if there's another Asian American. And if I do, I want to go up to them mm. and say hello wow. and ask them, where are they from? Mm. What is their story? And so I just want to encourage everyone at Bridgetown, if you see um, others that you recognize they're of a different ethnicity, um, during the greeting time or in passing, to go up and say hi. It always helps for them to, to be seen. Mm. You know, they're not part of the 20%. Mm. But how we come and approach our brothers and sisters and interface with them and take interest it does a lot for them to know that they are included. Mm. And we have that small way that we can bless and notice and be curious. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for saying that. And that's, I think, let's end on that with the idea of we, maybe, you know, none of us sitting in this room here were a part of the Exclusion Act or any of these other things, and yet we're the inheritors of its legacy. And so we want to be people uh, who actively seek to change the reality around us because we think that's what Jesus is up to as well. So Bridgetown Church, I want to charge you with what Stephanie just said. Would you be the kind of person who goes and greets people like Stephanie and like Josh to hear their story, to learn what makes them uniquely them in Christ Jesus? And then enter into that story as well. We are one family. We are Bridgetown Church, but bigger than that, we are the family of God. Uh, so would we be the kind of people who change culture, who change narrative, and who can do this beautiful internal-external balance between the blending and merging of cultures, but not the assimilating of one into another. May we belong to the kingdom of God. May we belong to one another. And may we wait and pray and hope for God's kingdom to break in here and now. Thanks for listening, Bridgetown Church. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. To learn more about AAPI history, Oregon's racist past, and Bridgetown's vision for the future, visit bridgetown.church justice.